0: Kayla. Hello, Megan. Hello,
1: hello. We <laughs>
0: have so many people on the podcast today. This is kind of insane. Yes. I feel like I'm in like a giant boardroom. <laughs> I, I feel know. like we're like sitting at a round table and we're about to like, you know, solve all the world's problems
2: or something. Oh, really, we're no. just
0: going to talk about games. But, we're going to uh, talk about games.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, be great. It's, it feels like a talking head show cuz I'm staring at all everybody's faces right now and I'm like, "Oh, this is a talking head show. Let's go. Let, we're <laughs> we're going to do this. It's going to be great." It's
0: um, going to be like it's like our own it's like our own <laughs> version of CNN, only a yep. lot more fun. And, yes. w- and we're gonna have.
2: We're gonna talk about human design. Yes. Is we're what gonna, we're talk gonna talk about, about things that bring us joy, and not exactly. the state of the world that makes us cry. So let's ah. talk about our favorite things, which is gaming. Yay! Yes. Yes. This <laughs> is our first
0: panel ever, and we're hoping to be able to do more of these. So let's see how it goes.
3: Cue theme music.
2: Ah, yes. Accurate. Yes. Very, very
4: true. <laughs>
0: Hi, I'm Kayla Mason. And I'm Megan Smith. And this is Human Design in Real Time. I'm the founder and CEO of Kayla Care. And as an intuitive human design coach, I use human design to help you get to the root of what's holding you back from living the life you actually want to be living.
2: Human design is a map of your energetic DNA that uses a combination of ancient systems and modern science to help you understand how your energy shows up in the world.
0: On this podcast, we'll be talking with people from all walks of life
2: about how their human design affects their lives and the lives of those around them. To download a PDF of your own human design chart, all you need is your exact birth time and you can go to Kayla-Care.com to download your own copy. Welcome back to the Human Design in Real Time podcast. Today we have a really special episode. We have our first panel of guests to talk about game strategy in your type and how each of us approach playing games. So we have three main types, including generators, manifesting generators, and projectors here. Let me introduce everybody. We have PJ, who is one of our projectors. Robert, who is a manifesting generator. Brittany, who is a generator. Alec, my husband, who is a generator. And of course, we have Kayla, Uh, our projector, and myself as a manifesting generator to talk about gaming, our favorite things to do. We love playing games on this podcast. So welcome, everybody. Thank you all for joining us on our first ever panel episode. Uh, We're really excited to hear what you guys have to say. Say hi.
3: Hi. Hi.
2: Hello. Hello. (laughs) The cacophony of hello Hello. is
0: beautiful. (laughs) 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 The reason that we wanted to talk about games on the podcast is because there there was this concept that when people are playing games, are they more likely to follow strategy? Are they more likely to follow authority? Are they more likely to be living in that self-theme? And are those not-self-themes more likely to show up? This was actually something that Brittany brought to my attention when she was talking about playing games with Robert, her partner, who... We now have both of them here on the podcast. Um, and she had mentioned that when she looked at the way that they played games together, she saw their human design playing out in real time. I added that part in there. She did not say that corny little joke <laughs> that I just did. Um, <laughs> but it really got me thinking, what does? how is gaming different from the rest of our lives. In most of our lives, we deal with so much societal conditioning. We deal with so much of the, I'm supposed to be one way, I'm supposed to be another way. When we're playing games, we're given permission to enjoy ourselves. We're given permission to do something outside of the expectation of normalcy. And we're given the opportunity to really let our imaginations run wild. And so this panel is all about us figuring out and discovering, is that the truth? Is the way that we play games the truest version of who we are? Are we able to tap into our strategy and authority more so when we're playing games than when we are doing other things, than when we are living in societal constructs and needing to deal with the world around us? So the first thing that we wanted to dive into with gaming was the idea of strategy. Because in human design, we talk about strategy from the perspective of the best way for you to utilize your energy based on how the rest of the world is going to communicate with you and how you're going to communicate with the rest of the world. So I really wanted to look at how do we use our strategies in human design within our gaming strategies? Are they the same? Are they different? Is there societal conditioning in there? And how does that work? So I wanted to go type by type and have my different types talk through what gaming strategy looks like for them based on human design strategy. So let's start with our generators. We have Alec and Brittany. And the strategy for a generator is to wait to respond, meaning that you are consistently waiting for something to come to you so that you can respond to it in whatever way your gut tells you to respond. So whether that's a hell yes, I want to do it. Hell no, I don't want to do that. Or that kind of unsure, undecided, let's try again later concept. So I'd love to hear from Brittany, you can start. Um, what is your gaming strategy? And do you feel like it lines up with your strategy in human design?
1: Yeah, so um, I feel like my strategy is very adaptable. So Again, like I, it's the whole, I I agree completely with waiting to respond because I see, I let everybody else decide what their strategy is going to be and I wait to see what that is going to be and then I choose the strategy I'm going to use. I love that. So when I first start playing a game, I will line up every possible strategy that I can think of and get started with all of them and then it's not until I see what other people are doing that I actually choose which strategy I'm going. Which actually Robert says a lot of the time that I I always sneak up from behind.
4: <laughs>
1: mm. It's because I don't actually know what I'm doing <laughs> until I know what everyone else is doing. It's
4: very frustrating.
1: I love that. I, I
0: think that's so cool. And Alec, what has your experience been? Is it similar?
3: Um, yeah, slightly. I'd say that um uh I know that as like just wait and see and sort of playing a little bit more passively does allow you to sort of like kind of gauge the field a little bit. Um, I guess the best example is, as you were saying, like the wait and see. uh, Whenever I play Risk, um, basically all I'll try to do is just build up my forces and then wait for somebody else to attack me. Don't be aggressive. Just wait for somebody else to do the aggression first and then counteract that. Um, even if it is more advantageous to be aggressive towards others in the beginning, it's always just better to wait. So that that tracked really hard. Wow. That's so <laughs> yeah. cool. That's awesome.
0: I love that because that's, that's so aligned. Like what both of you are talking about, that's so aligned. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like the concept of waiting to respond is something that comes more easily to you when you're playing a game? Yeah. Or is it yeah yeah. i'd
3: say so because uh i guess in that context especially because everything is very competitive and you very much have to like gobble up as much resource and land and whatever as fast as humanly possible without really pissing off everybody else which is like one of the biggest you know like okay if i try to attack you we're going to be at war the entire time of this whole entire game and can i really afford that and all that stuff uh so yeah just waiting sometimes is really really helpful I'd say, yeah.
0: Yeah. And how about you, Brittany? Do you find that it's easier to wait to respond while you're playing a game than it is in the rest of your life?
1: I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, and feel like in the rest of my life, it, I'm constantly like, is, is the ball even rolling? I don't even know. I can't see where like the pieces are moving. Whereas like in a game, like I can see change happening in real time and I can respond to it. When I need to. Ooh, mm. oh, I love that. That's so mm. real.
0: Games, they give us not just a place where there are no societal rules, but also a place where we feel almost in control of the whole situation. We can see everything all at once. Ooh, that's so cool. Okay, amazing. Thank you guys so much. So, I'd love to now turn it to our manifesting generators um, and strategy for manifesting generators. Part of it is that same waiting to respond. So, it's the same kind of thing that Alec and Brittany just talked about, that our generators just talked about. But you also have the aspect of having a motor to your throat, which means that there's also a part of you where your strategy is to inform meaning that you need to tell people what you're going to do before you do it. So in the context of your life, that could mean telling your partner that you're going to go take a drive before you just leave without saying anything. In the context of a game, it could mean telling your teammates what the strategy is going to be. So I'm curious what your gaming strategy is in relation to what your human design strategy is. And Megan, I'll let you start.
2: Okay. Um, I feel like it's, it's very hard to utilize that motor to my throat in games that require you to keep your cards close to the chest, right? Metaphorically and literally. Um, but I I feel, I do feel the adaptability of watching what other people do and changing my strategy as need be. I feel like I can connect a little bit more on the generator side of that. Um, but definitely in games, cooperative games like d playing d with my friends, I like to be able to discuss what's going to happen and strategize together and, and speak out loud what we should be doing next. Um, in order to, to have that kind of communication. And I feel like it is way more effective in those games. So I guess it really depends on the game that I'm playing, but there is that level of adaptability that I feel like does permeate in all games. And I am able to utilize in all games based on my way to respond and way to inform. I and love that's that. That's my take.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and Robert, can you uh, chime in? What is your normal strategy within games?
4: Well, to be honest, it does change a lot. Uh, but I, I've noticed I tend to pick the most unique option available <laughs> in any game because it's cool, and I will stick with that unique mm-hmm. option and run with it, even if I lose. So I'm more there for the the fun of it, because I feel like, what is it? I I feel like I tend to drift towards that option because in real life, I don't get to take those chances and always go for the unique option. So in this game, this thing looks really cool. I want to do it. So that's, I'll take riskier options. I will do things that make no sense. I will, (laughs) like you said, in risk, piss people off well before I should have.
0: Oh, I love that.
4: But usually the next uh, the next time I play, I have a better understanding of uh, what I can and can't do. Mm.
0: I love that. I feel like that's such a manifesting generator thing, too, because many gens like you just want to jump around and try a bunch of different things. You want to see what happens when you try this or that or these things or what does it feel like when I do this? What does it feel like when I do that? And like so often again with the societal conditioning, so often many gens are put in a corner <laughs> they're put in a in a box and it's like no you have to be one thing so being in a gaming setting and having the opportunity to just do whatever you want at any given moment that must be so freeing
4: yeah it's a lot of fun especially when it works out and you win and then you're like ah yeah i got to win and have fun <laughs> sweet
0: megan do you feel like True. that's something you've experienced as well as a manager yes.
2: Yeah, I do like trying new things in games, especially in games that I have played before. I like to do something new. Um, even in D&D, it's like, okay, I've played a rogue and now I want to play a barbarian and now I want to try the bard. And I, like I like trying new things because it it makes the game unique each, each time. And even for and I like games where there is that kind of variety. Like Alec and I play a lot of Dominion and that is one where I love you know completely randomizing the cards and being like let's see what these cards can do together and try this game so uh, absolutely finding that unique strategy and then it feels great when it works and it's like all right well I tried something new if it didn't and it's fun yeah yeah and I love that because
0: that really does tie into your strategy of informing (laughs) you Hmm. decided you were going to try something new you told the people or you did it and that became the thing that you were doing now. What you speak becomes the truth. So I I think that's that's super aligned. And I'm going to ask you guys the same question. I think Robert already kind of answered this, but do you feel like it's harder for you to do that in your real life than it is for you to do while you're playing a game? Agreed. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: What about you guys, projectors? What's yes. your gaming strategy? So our projectors,
0: myself and PJ, um, we our strategy as projectors is to wait for the invitation. So essentially what that means is that we literally need to wait for somebody else or for a higher power or for sometimes ourselves to recognize our unique talents to recognize the things that are amazing about us in order for us to be able to then speak our peace, to shine our light, to be seen in the world. Um, so that strategy is something that, uh, depending on the kind of game you're playing, could be taken a lot of different ways. If you're playing a game with other people, it could feel a little debilitating. If you're playing a game by yourself, it could be kind of empowering because you get to do all the inviting. (laughs) In relation to waiting for invitations, PJ, I'll let you start. What is your experience of gaming strategy? And do you feel like that, like your strategy as a projector fits into that
5: surrounding the idea of being invited
0: yeah so start with just tell us what your gaming strategy is in general and then let's apply your human design strategy
5: okay so i think first and foremost it's unique depending on every single situation so whether it's playing like pickup basketball playing poker playing video games with friends It's going to alter every single time. And before I do any sort of gaming with anyone, like whether we're sitting down and playing cards with your family, I assess how serious do I need to take this situation? Because I, I enter every sort of gaming situation with, am I actively trying to win? What are the stakes? Do I need to like call, like cool my jets beforehand? So I don't take things too seriously because if I'm going to commit time to something, I want to win it. I, the concept of having fun is wonderful. And when I can assess that we're just doing something for fun, it takes a lot of pressure off. I think a lot of how I grew up and what my passions and hobbies are, I really like to attack and I like to win and I especially like situations where like whether it's trivia nights or whether it's like I'm playing sports with new people and I'm asked to be there, then I like to like kind of prove like prove my worth in that situation. So that's where the invitation oh. is key.
0: Yeah, I love that because I'm hearing you talk about that and it's almost like you're waiting for the situation to invite you into whatever it's going to be like you're waiting for that situational invitation, you know? And like, I think one of the big things about being a projector is that we're very affected by the world around us and by the people around us. So rather than stepping into stepping onto a gaming table and having a plan for the way that we're going to play the game, it's more about stepping into the room and figuring out how everybody else is feeling, what everybody else is here to do so that we can then step into it with ease and grace instead of you know, feeling rejected because that's, that's the other side of projectors is we might stand up and say a thing and then nobody recognizes us for it. And then we get rejected. And then we're like debilitatingly like, well, I guess there's no reason for me to be here at all. You know? Yes. Correct. Oh, that's so cool. So I'll uh, chime in a little bit with my, uh, with my gaming strategy so that we can compare. Um, The biggest thing that I struggle with with gaming is, I think it's very similar to what you were just talking about, knowing what the people who I'm playing with are ready to do. If I'm playing a game with people who I know very, very well and I know that those people have trouble, for instance, losing. If I'm playing a game with someone who I know has trouble losing, I might not try my hardest to win. (laughs) Even though I really like winning, And I really like a challenge and I love being able to like push myself and see how far I can go. If I'm in a situation where I know that other people are going to be upset about it, if I win, then I might not try as hard. Um, I also will gravitate toward like team games. Games where we all work together because those are the kind of games where nobody wins. Everybody just gets to have a good time, and when everyone's just having a good time, then I don't have to worry about anybody else. Like I don't have to worry about how everyone else is doing while we're playing the game. Um, and the other thing that I I would say on this is when I'm playing a game by myself like when i'm playing like assault like on my phone or something i go ham like i go all the way in i want to go i want to challenge myself as much as i possibly can and like that is i feel like that's the most like authentic version of me when gaming and it's similar to really every other part of my life when i'm with people who i feel safe with I can be that person, you know, like if I'm playing a game with people, like if I sit down to play Rummy with PJ, we're going to go all in like we are going to challenge each other, we're going to be and the strategy itself, I feel like comes as the game goes. Like it's very uh, as the game is being played, I kind of like feel into what's happening and I'm kind of swimming in the strategy of it. There's there's not a lot of like forethought and there's not a lot of responding. It's more just kind of like being present with all the things that are happening around me. Um, But if I'm playing Rummy with like my immediate family. Sometimes I might, you know, hold back a little bit, depending on what mood everybody's in. (laughs) So it's very situational. And I I think similar to what PJ was saying, I I hadn't thought about it that way. But that situation is kind of an invitation. And it gives us the opportunity to either choose, I'm going to challenge myself today. I'm going to try to win today. I'm just going to have fun today. Whatever it is, kind of giving us the opportunity to uh, swim in that space. Mm. Um, And then I'll ask you that same question, PJ. Do you find that it's easier to wait for those invitations when you're playing a game versus when you are in your normal life?
5: I think it's so interesting. Again, it's very dependent because when, so for instance, like when I'm working and my job, I love being a part of a team and a unit and there's cohesion and people needing me for things and reaching out. And I'm constantly sort of waiting for invitation, instruction, direction, whatever it is. And I love that. I do love that for gaming, especially like in a team setting, but there's also the side of my brain where I do as extroverted as I am. I love being on my own and sort of being the one who, either just takes it upon himself, finds the invitations uniquely. Like I don't like waiting because I think I need that balance in my brain. I don't always want to wait for someone else to give me an invitation. And that ebbs and flows constantly. I love working with others, and then I want nothing to do with others. And that really does carry over to how I play games, where you just mentioned that I think it's so true. If I assess emotionally where everyone's at before playing and how serious the group is going to take it, I will adjust accordingly. But when I am on my own and I'm playing a game on my own, I think it's a particular level of ferocity that I otherwise wouldn't show. Like I am out to win, conquer. I, even if I lose, that's fine but I'm going to try my hardest and my best, whatever the game is.
0: Yeah, I, I actually, I completely agree. <laughs> um, it's funny because I'm thinking about the concept of waiting for invitations. I think the main thing that being in a game setting does is it kind of gives me the opportunity to play with what an invitation feels like. Mm. You know, because like I think we get caught in that a lot in our lives as projectors, the idea that we're supposed to be waiting for invitations. But what does an invitation feel like? Whereas in the context of a game, it doesn't matter. You know, like I could speak up and nobody listens to me and it's like, okay, well, maybe I guess that didn't work. Like that wasn't an invitation, but it doesn't I guess it doesn't matter as much because we're you know, we're playing, we're enjoying ourselves. And it kind of gives it's more of like a playground. It's a, again, I feel like it's a, we're swimming in the space. Like I feel like I'm swimming in the space of somebody else's game, which is also why I love playing games at like Megan and Alex's house, Mm
3: -hmm. because like
0: (laughs) they're a very like fun gaming energy. So it's, it's a really fun energy to get to swim in.
3: Thank you. That's very (laughs) nice. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, Let's move on to self themes and not self themes and what that means for each type. And how does that manifest in your gaming, right? Um, Kayla, do you want to talk a little bit about the self-themes and not self-themes?
0: Absolutely. So um, I'll start with our generators again. Um, Just in general, for all who are listening, the self-themes and not self-themes in human design are kind of guideposts for us to understand if we are living in design, if we are staying aligned with our strategy and authority. So four generators- this is Alec and Brittany, your self-theme is satisfaction, meaning that when you are doing things, when you're accomplishing things, when you do things that make you feel satisfied, those are the guideposts that you're doing the right stuff. You're heading in the right direction. It's that sweet satisfaction, that kind of burning sensation of, yeah, I can keep going. Whereas your not-self theme is frustration, And frustration is what comes up for you when you are not living in design, when you are either trying to push your way through something, you're not waiting long enough to respond to something, you are doing something that doesn't feel good for you, that doesn't feel satisfying and sustainable. So I'm curious how these self and not self themes show up for you in gaming. So that's satisfaction on the self theme side and frustration on the not self theme side. Brittany, would you you like to start
1: sure so I was just thinking about it Um, as far as like strategy games go a lot of the times what will happen is I start to see somebody progressing in their strategy and I'm like they're gonna get to a point that I'm not gonna be able to enact my strategy and so I will act too quick and then it falls apart and I get so frustrated because <laughs> I'm like, if I just waited a little bit longer, it would have been fine. Um, whereas like if I am in my space, like in my head space and I'm actually responding properly and I'm not getting anxious about it and, and responding too quickly or waiting too long. Um, it, it runs so smoothly. Even if I don't win, it's still so smooth. I get close and it's it's just it's a huge difference it's a it also is a difference in like how i feel about the game
0: Mm -hmm. that's so cool um alec is that something you've experienced as well and how do you experience satisfaction versus frustration within games
3: i guess um it's always different for every game right because like some games the satisfaction comes from beating your opponent, sometimes the satisfaction in something else like, I don't know, Minecraft or something else that's more self-oriented. The satisfaction just comes from accomplishing whatever it is you are setting out to accomplish. Um and uh yeah, I guess whenever I do play games, uh like I guess I do sometimes get frustrated if I'm not able to accomplish whatever goals I was set out to start, um, or just something gets too convoluted or too hard, uh, you know, it can always be frustrating.
0: Do you find that you experience more satisfaction in a gaming setting or in, uh, or in your regular life? And this question is for both of you, uh either of you do you find that you experience more satisfaction in your regular life or when you're gaming or more frustration in your regular life or when you're gaming is there any
1: difference i feel like it's just more noticeable when i'm gaming because the pace is faster (sighs) it's almost like
0: sped up Mm -hmm. it's like life but sped up yeah (laughs) alec
3: yeah that makes sense um I, uh, yeah, I feel the same. It's, it's a lot easier to gauge where exactly you stand, um, you know, uh, in a game, you know, usually there's even like a little progress bar that'll say like 50% done. And you're like, ah, I'm halfway there. Um, so that makes it (laughs) a lot easier to just say, oh, this is how far I've accomplished. This is what exactly I've done. Oh, I have three more bosses to go or, oh, I've already defeated 12, whatever's, um, Uh, So in that context, yeah, it's it's way easier to be satisfied during a video game. I mean, they're literally usually designed so that they could be satisfying. So Uh, but yeah, I, I guess with the immediate satisfaction, there also comes immediate frustration when you run into bugs or glitches or whatever it is that's going on in the game or just bad game design can be very frustrating. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) Um, me and Megan played this game called Madara with my sister and brother-in-law. And uh, the game had been fairly experimental uh, or at least very, very early access when we played it. And it's like a board game. So it's sort of like a dungeon crawler, D&D board game kind of situation where you have a character and you have to fight your way through various maps and different monsters and stuff like that. And a lot of the times when we were playing that game, uh, it became very apparent that some of the aspects of the game were not as clearly thought out as other experiences in the game like some of it was really fun i'm not trying to dish on it it was a lot of fun but there was definitely points in the game where you're like why did they do it this way why yeah. why are we fighting so far uphill why can't we get any gold to our name like what is going on here um So, yeah, those were definitely frustrating times, and I was definitely very vocal when they they were frustrating.
2: (laughs) The car rides home from those nights were really, it was just a bitch fest.
0: Yeah, was really funny. Long, (laughs) lengthy
3: discussions, lengthy discussions of why exactly that was wrong.
0: (laughs) So, it almost. It almost sounds like the gaming world kind of, it's almost like a, a smaller version of the real world where we have a little more control and where we have a little bit more ability to experience things in the moment. Like you're able to have those, those guideposts of satisfaction and frustration happening one right after the other so that you can kind of see, it's, I feel like it's more clear what is satisfying and what is frustrating within a game setting. Is that true?
3: Yeah, I'd say so, for sure.
0: Great. So uh, now I'm going to move on to our manifesting generators. So Megan and Robert. So for you guys, your self-theme is also satisfaction, similar to uh, the generators, but you have a second self-theme, which is peace because of the motor in your throat. And your not-self themes are frustration, just like our generators, and anger. And oftentimes anger more so than peace is what shows up for our manifesting generators. So I'm curious, especially with this concept that now we're talking about, you know, gaming kind of being this like more controllable version of the real world. How does, how do your self and not self themes show up for you? And um, Megan, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, I think because results in games are more apparent because there is a more definitive like success a more definitive fail in games than there are in the real world my self-theme and not self-theme come out more heavily like more prominently um like, I can tell you the amount of times I have gotten really angry at a game or or a gaming situation, then just the rage <laughs> comes out, like, in unfortunate ways. Um, I have not flipped a board. I'm not that person. But I, I would get, like, really angry if the game was not going our way or if the game was not, um, especially in situations where, like, I, if I'm not allowed to participate because of the way the game is set up, I get really angry. Mm. I get really angry because it's like, well, I, you asked me to play a game. I want to play. Let me play. Uh, yeah. So that's that's kind yeah. of where the not self theme comes up. But I, I definitely find a lot of satisfaction from just playing the game. If I am participating and playing a game, whether I'm winning or losing or whatever is not the, the thing I just want to play. It's a it's a a fun place to be. It's a good place for me to be. And I think that also, you know, speaks to the self theme of peace. It's just like, I love to play games. This is a great place for me to hang and do things with friends or do things by myself or whatever the situation is. So, um, yeah, I think that's how my self theme and not self theme show up in the gaming world. I
0: love that. I love that you feel the peace as well. Like that, you feel both that peace and satisfaction. I think that's oh, yeah. so that's so beautiful. Um, so, Robert, would you like to touch on how those things show up for you? So, it's peace and satisfaction as your self themes, and anger and frustration at the as the not self themes.
4: I uh, honestly, Megan couldn't have said it any better. You get a lot of satisfaction and peace just from playing and participating in the game, even more so if there's other people there now in a competitive setting, sometimes, um, the, the frustration and the anger will come from when it feels like it's unfair, or I know that it's unfair, Mm -hmm. but it's uh, it's the game's rules. I can't do anything about it, but, um, um, I am not as angry. (laughs) Um, I do always get pretty. Fr- I get frustrated with games, but I don't get angry like I used to when I was a kid. I smashed a game controller, and my parents were very <laughs> mad at me. And I was like, "Ah, I need to. I need. I need to dial it back. I need to chill out a little bit." So um, usually, I'm pretty good about it. if I feel myself getting pretty frustrated, I'll just put it down and walk away and be like, "All right, yeah. well, obviously, this is not being satisfactory or peaceful today." Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's a it's a. All in all, a lot of times it is pretty peaceful and satisfying to play a game just to be there.
0: I love that. I love that concept because I feel like when we look, and we've talked about this before, but when we look at the manifesting generator, you guys are called like the superheroes of the human design. And it's kind of like you have what everybody wants, you know, you've got a throat motor, you can speak things into existence, and you have a defined sacral center, you can do all the doing. So I love that you're happiest when you are just doing the thing with the people and you're talking it out loud and you're being present and you're getting to participate because that's all you guys really want to do is speak and participate, speak and do and speak and do, you know? So I I just love that concept that it's just being there and being part of it that, you know, the rest of us are looking at you like, I want to be able to use a throat motor. And you're like, well, I just kind of like being here and being part of all of this.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, honestly, I just like to, I just like to be moving and doing something. If I'm sitting still, um, I'm usually yeah. not sitting still. I'm fidgeting. Like my leg is still shaking right now. So just doing something is, is peaceful for me.
2: Robert, would you say you prefer to play games with people or you prefer to play games by yourself?
4: Uh, it depends on how the day's going, but a lot of times um, it, I would prefer to play with other people.
2: Yeah. That, same. That's why I asked. I was like, I prefer playing games with other people. I'm not somebody who can sit down and play a video game by themselves for a couple of hours. I need to like, I don't play video games. And when I do play video games, it needs to be with other people because that's why I enjoy gaming is being with the people.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm. I, uh, I actually can sit down if, if a game has a good story. It is fun. It'll, it gets its hooks in me and I will sit there all day. And then next thing I know, I'm like, wow, I,
2: it's
0: three o'clock
4: in the morning. I have to go to work oh, in the morning. Oh, this sucks.
0: Yep. And <laughs> what would you guys say that it's easier for you to identify those self and not self themes within the gaming realm the same way that it was for our generators than it is in your regular life?
2: Yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, Alec was saying, it's, it's, There's a progress bar. It's like instant gratification, essentially, or at least it's instant knowledge of how far you are to getting to that gratification.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's so cool. Okay, so moving on to our projectors, myself and PJ, our self theme is success which for projectors is kind of like an overarching success. It's something that comes in when we're recognized. It's something that comes in when somebody else sees us for how magical we truly are. And it, it is success at large. <laughs> and then our not-self theme is bitterness, is resentment, is that concept of feeling like somebody else has caused a problem for us, and now we have to fix it that kind of feeling so pj how do you feel that those themes show up in your in gaming
5: i'll speak to the most specific example um i play poker a lot and it's something i've done for about 15 years and truly the success and the instant gratification is i can make money and that validation, you know whether it's there or not. And that's the greatest thing in the world. When you can play a game and get paid and you can support yourself that way and you feel smart and you're on this high and it's incredible. the That's the success and the reward and you you know exactly where you stand. And I like that. I like that. There's it's yes or no it's red light green light like yeah, you either are winning or you're losing and in terms of the bitterness I used to have even when I especially when I started and I think Robert was kind of talking about this with like the smashing of the video game remotes and when I was younger and I would play games I think I have a very colorful vocabulary thank god because (laughs) i wasn't like physically gonna put my hand through a wall but i was gonna use every curse and swear word under the rainbow and because if i would lose something especially playing cards when i was younger because i especially when you're 20 you don't understand like saving money and volatility so you think naturally like the guy you lost to at the table is this monster demonic evil, awful, how dare you, it's your fault, and you don't want to assess blame to yourself because you voluntarily sat down and played this game. And what I have realized through years of therapy and mental health support is that that bitterness is often self-created, but it's always there. And I think, especially for myself as a projector, it's part of the natural highs and lows Because we want that success to be very obvious, and we want those clear signs because they're not always there in life when we're searching for validation. Yeah. And a lot of times, it's just about dealing with the bitterness that can arise. And for someone like me who's naturally anxious, it's always there. And more so, for me, a lot of the time you're going to find yourself dealing with more of the bitterness then the success, but if it's self-created and you're just kind of manifesting it, once you have a toolkit, you can understand that the fewer successes can far outweigh the majority of the times where your mind wants to tell you you're bitter. So they absolutely go hand in hand, and they're both always going to be there, for me at least, And it's just about accepting that, like, for me, that's my brain and that's how it's always going to be.
0: I almost think that especially for projectors, the self and not self themes are very mindset based because like success is something that is kind of conceptual, you know, satisfaction is something that happens when you accomplish something like you accomplish a thing, you feel satisfied it happens. Whereas success is this kind of overarching idea. And it's something that you can either live in a mindset of, I am always successful. I am successful. I see success everywhere. Or you can live in the mindset of I'm the victim of the things that are going wrong. So I feel like with projectors, a lot of our, our plight is to try to see things from a different perspective, which is interesting because that's also what we are here to do. We are here to share our perspective. That is what projectors bring to the world is perspective, is a different perspective. So um, from my perspective as a projector, (laughs) um, the way that I see these uh, myself and not self themes showing up in gaming, success is something that It's interesting because I often find myself playing like games on my phone, that kind of thing, where I almost feel like I'm chasing a generator satisfaction. Mm. I almost feel like I'm chasing the concept of I just want to win so that I can feel good about having won the game. But then after I win the game, I don't feel satisfied. Because I don't have a defined sacral center and that's not how it works. I have this like tiny little moment of I won and then I'm ready. I'm playing the next one. Like I'm already thinking about playing the next game, going to the next level, doing the next thing. Because for me, it's not about those little wins. It's not about that like singular satisfaction moment. It's about the success overall. So what I really need to do is take a step back from it and acknowledge how successful I am being smart enough, intelligent enough, focused enough to get these answers right every time or whatever it like whatever success looks like in the space of that game and I think because of that it's actually more regenerating and more fun for me to play games with other people because then I get to feel the success of the whole room (laughs) then like we all get to be involved in it and it feels successful because we're all doing something together because we're all connecting that part feels successful and the bitterness side of it for me I think When I was talking earlier about the idea of like kind of checking myself based on what kind of situation I'm playing in, I think that's where the bitterness comes in for me is like if I'm playing a game with people who I feel like I can't be my full self with or if I'm not allowed to challenge myself, if I'm not allowed to do the, the things as like try as hard as I possibly can because I'm afraid of hurting someone's feelings, that's when I start to get in that mindset of, oh, it's this person's fault that I'm not having fun. And like... That's where the bitterness comes in for me is it's about the other people. And I feel like I don't usually deal with bitterness when I'm playing a game by myself. But again, I feel like when I play games by myself, that's me trying to be a generator and not being a generator. So yeah. And then I'll ask you the same question I asked everyone else, PJ, but it might, I feel like this is very different for us. (laughs) Um, But do you find that it's easier to feel success and bitterness when you're in the gaming space, or do you find that it's easier for you to feel it outside?
5: Yeah, I was thinking of how I was going to phrase this. So, as I do need both the outside world and then what I do by myself to kind of coexist when i'm doing well at my job in the outside world of gaming i i love hearing the good jobs and the like nice work and all of that but truly i think i know deep down that working for others and others needing to validate you in that way means nothing it's yeah because i i've i think i knew at a very young age that I never wanted to have my time, money, energy dictated by someone else. Like one of my great nightmares is like someone at a company I work with emailing me and being like, "Oh, why did you do this or that?" And I'm like, "I don't know who you are. Don't bother me. Like <laughs> the work's <laughs> getting done. Go away." And it's like, "Shut up." And when I'm by myself, And I can dictate my own time, energy, and financial situation. That's the truest form of success and validation to me. And I think, especially as my mindset has changed and I've become a little bit more relaxed and truly like self-confident within myself, because I think it's one thing to be extroverted, but it's like confidence doesn't necessarily go with that. And when I'm gaming... Trusting my ability to make decisions and dictate my own success, even when things don't go the way I thought they were going to go or wanted, you could still feel comfortable because it was on your terms. And that's the big thing, is no matter how much money I make working for this other company, every time I like look at a spreadsheet or I have to, <laughs> I have to log my hours... I'm just like this is nice, and it's a means to an end, but it will never be fulfilling. Because, and just when I talk to people who like I'm very close with at the company, and they talk about like what their yearly wages and that, and that's ninety five percent of society. I can't ever get on board with like my success being attached to a finite number. I. I truly love the volatility that comes with the success that I get to choose. And as I've leaned into that, I've become much happier in my existence.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that similarly, I I don't necessarily know that success is something that I experience more in the gaming realm. I'm As we're talking about this, I'm really starting to feel like games in general are kind of built for generators. <laughs> yes <laughs> because like as you're talking about like alec robert you're talking about like it tells you you're 50 done it like it tells you like it gives you the cues for satisfaction it literally gives you the opportunity to like you're about to get to a new person you just killed this boss whereas like for me like i kill the boss and immediately i'm like okay where's the next boss yep. like i can't there is no moment of being satisfied for having killed the boss it's just like where's the next one whereas the kind of of games that i feel like i actually feel that success for are the ones where i get to you know enjoy like uh what's that game that i love playing with you guys megan um happy salmon oh
3: well oh yeah, yeah. that's a different <laughs> happy game Happy Salmon.
0: Yeah. oh my god i love that game and like happy salmon is a game where like you're kind of in competition everyone's like running around and you're trying to uh you're doing stupid funny things with your hands and you're throwing cards at each other it's chaos in a box <laughs> it's so much fun you're running around it's <laughs> almost competitive but it's also just a bunch of friends running around and having a good time
3: Yeah, it's too fast to be competitive
0: Yeah, (laughs) like that feels successful for like I feel so much success being in the flow of doing something like that and be and like I'm really good at happy salmon. Like I've I've won quite a few times and I really love being good at a game like that because I get to be part of it and it's like I'm just moving through the fun game energy. Whereas if we were to play happy salmon with a group of people who maybe did not want to play happy salmon and were not interested in running around the room, then I would feel like Okay, now I don't like it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't feel successful. So I guess the whole point is like the success is the fun. Like for me, success equals fun. And the bitterness is something that only comes in when I end up taking myself too seriously. Like it it's not something that happens otherwise.
5: I'm so glad you actually mentioned that because it's so true in that a lot of times like we have to be kind of be pried away So we're not as beholden to like the meter. So like, if we're going Mm -hmm. to like deal with it, like we're going to have to literally like pull ourselves away from the game before we find the next boss. And I think the happy Mm -hmm. salmon example is fantastic because like when we've played with Megan and Alec, it's so validating. Like I could lose every round, but the purpose and at the end result is like the happiness and like the brain chemicals that are getting triggered. Whereas like my worst nightmare Is playing that game with a bunch of like people who hate Happy Salmon, but suggested playing Happy Salmon because
2: (laughs) you can't take Happy Salmon too seriously. (laughs) It's not
5: a game to take seriously. The name is
4: Happy Salmon. Yeah,
5: exactly. It's called Happy, right? Right? (laughs) And it's like. It's like if you wanted to like set up Twister with a bunch of people who didn't want to play Twister, like or who all have back problems.
3: Exactly.
5: exactly. Yeah, or, or, exactly. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's yeah. That's a bad idea. Like, why are we so dumb to do this? Like, I just got off a shift. Like, why? And it's like, yeah. I think sometimes, Kayla, I think you were kind of hinting at this. Like, we need other, or like, we need the generators to really lead us to that place. Yeah. To cut because it's otherwise we get very stuck in like well what is the purpose am I validated am I not like it's huge
2: wow yeah wow, wow.
0: ah <laughs> uh, this is such a cool episode <laughs> I love this having a panel of different types honestly recording this episode blew my mind.
2: Yeah. This was the first time that we've done anything like this, right? Where we've had a panel discussion about your type in certain situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was really inspired by you talking with Brittany, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Just kind of like having those conversations outside of the podcast with people who were listening to the podcast and were like, hey, it might be cool for us to hear about this. And like, I... I love getting to see the different ways that we associate with the world and just how different that is, you know, like even just looking at the differences between sacral and non-sacral beings in something like playing games we all have such a deeply different experience of the world that the idea that we're all supposed to live under the same concept of rules and societal conditioning is just insane so i love getting to see this kind of celebration of differences you know and really getting to understand that nitty gritty
2: yeah and understanding understanding your personal strengths too right like you know, generator versus mani gen versus a uh, uh, projector. We all have different strengths in the gaming world, and when we play games, and like what we want to play versus um, what you know we we actually play, and uh yeah it's it's been really cool to to listen to this so far we have a lot more to come too mm-hmm. we decided to split this one into two episodes because again we had such a great conversation it just kept going and we wanted to make it super digestible for our audience so uh there is even more discussion around gaming and w- types and what we prefer and how we approach gaming so definitely stay tuned in two weeks when we drop the next episode
0: yeah and I am hoping that I feel like this is something we're going to do for a lot of our mm, upcoming yeah. panel episodes. We really yeah. loved recording this one. So I feel like doing panels on all sorts of things is going to be so inspiring. I mean, I we've already come up with a few different ideas and how we could get maybe not even just generator, many-gen, projector. Maybe we get someone from all five types, or maybe it's defined defined versus undefined. And we get a couple people who have a defined spleen and a couple people with an undefined spleen so that we can really just continue to like dig deep into what it means to experience the world in your own unique way.
2: Yeah. If you have any ideas and would like to let us know what you want to hear, definitely reach out to us at in humandesigninrealtime at gmail.com. Uh, we're very receptive to any, any ideas that you want to share with us. So let us know. And we'll, yeah. maybe we'll bring you on for the podcast.
0: Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. So stay tuned for next time.
2: If you like what you heard on this podcast, follow us on Instagram at human design in real time to keep up with our next episodes. And if you want to learn more about your own human design,
0: I'd love to help you on your journey. You can head to my website, Kayla care.com to book an introductory human design session, where we'll dive into the person you were born to be. That's K-A-Y-L-A dash
2: ecom we're always looking for awesome humans to be guests on the podcast, so if you'd like to be interviewed, send us an email at humandesigninrealtime at gmail.com.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Kayla Care. A big thank you to our amazing producer, sound mixer, designer, and editor, Sabrina Mason. Thank you to the composers of our theme song, Niles Spaulding and Sabrina Mason. Thank you to today's
2: guests for being open and present with us. And thanks to you, our listeners, for supporting this podcast. Keep discovering your human design
1: in real time.